Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Hey Siri, how do you operate a fire extinguisher? Hey Siri, call a fire engine. I could not find fire engine in your contacts. The sound of that is so realistic. I saw the fire marshals looking like they need to get us out of the building quickly. But as Helen has said, we are in this last instalment of our series, Hey Siri, a series of Siri. That's quite a hard thing to say together. Um, And as she kind of explained, we've been taking a look at this idea of how we draw parallels between asking Siri for advice of what we can do. And we've been taking a look at a man who wrote a letter in the Bible called James and the advice that he gave there. Because for the past six weeks, we think that the advice that James gave, whilst it was a long time ago, actually has real relevance for us today. So if this is the first time you've come here and you've missed the rest of the series, please go back and have a look and watch online at some of the previous ones, because it really has been a fantastic series. But today's topic, I think, is the one that draws the greatest parallel to Siri, because today we're talking about prayer. Now, I don't know how you guys use Siri, or maybe in your house it's Alexa, or in our house it's a Google speaker. I don't know how you use it, but I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, so ours is used for very random things. As a mum, it's constantly used for timers for, you've got to clean your teeth, you've got to put your shoes on, it's time to go to school, have you finally eaten your tea yet, type timers. But for them, they ask questions like, hey Google, what noise does a giraffe make? Or... How far away is the sun from the earth? Quite random kind of stuff. I don't know what you use it for, but I'd hazard a guess that most of us use Siri or something like that in one of two ways. We either ask it kind of the minor things like, hey Siri, what's the weather like in Debenham today? Or maybe we ask it random stuff that actually we have absolutely no clue actually about. So one of the questions my boys have asked, What's the difference between an octopus and a squid? Who knows? And Siri tries to answer as best as it's able to. But as Helen kind of highlighted in the opener, there are times when Siri really doesn't get it right. And it's frustrating. It's either that Siri answers, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. Or perhaps Siri is just silent. For me, with our Google speaker, for me, it's a podcast that I would love to listen to on our home speaker. It's by a guy called Kerry Newhoff. Grant you his name is slightly difficult. He's a Canadian guy and he does a leadership podcast and it really is good. I'd highly recommend it. But this is what happens every time I try to listen to it. Okay, Google, can you play me the Kerry Newhoff podcast? Sure, the Karen and Ellen letters. I'll pick up where you got to. Okay, Google, can you play me the Kerry Newhoff podcast? Sorry, I don't understand. But any lead and question okay, from Google. authority. Can you play me the Kerry Newhoff podcast? I looked for me the Kerry Newhoff podcast, but it either isn't available or can't be played at the moment. We can confront the status quo, unconscious.
You see, asking Siri isn't always easy. The most frustrating thing about that is my husband will come down and ask for it, and she plays it immediately. So there's something about me. But the problem is, isn't it, with Siri, um, is that often we can ask something and we don't get the answers either that we want or it is silent. And I think that the same is often so true about prayer as well. Just like with Siri, prayer can feel like we're speaking out into the ether and hoping that this invisible entity is going to hear us and answer. And I don't know what your experience has been of prayer, but I can almost guarantee that each of us in this room at some stage has felt this about prayer at some stage. Maybe for some of us, we've asked big questions and we feel frustrated because God just keeps on giving us the same reply over and over and over again. Maybe for some of us, we've had a desperate, burning desire to hear from God or to see him act in a particular circumstance or situation. But there's been nothing. It feels like there's silence and it feels like you're kind of like, is the voice recognition actually working? Maybe, as with Siri, maybe actually you became a Christian, you were so excited, this is new technology, I can pray, I can talk to God, this is amazing, and you used it for everything, but somehow in the mundanity of life, the normality kicked in, and actually you just use it for the mundane things like, hey Siri, is there much traffic on my way to work today? And actually, we know that we're failing to use it to its full potential, because actually, if you look at things like Siri and Alexa and Google, they can run the heating in your house, the lights, and all your home devices. And yet, what do we use it for? Hey, Siri, what noise does a whale make? Maybe actually it's none of those things. Maybe you're new to church and you're new to faith. And actually for you, Siri and prayer is like, prayer is a little bit like Siri and technology that you don't quite understand. And I don't know about you, but I've hit that age where when technology I don't understand, I'm frightened to use it. And so maybe for you, prayer is the same. You're frightened to use it because you don't really understand what it is and how it works. Or maybe actually it's not that at all and you're new to faith or actually you're not even yet a Christian and you're kind of thinking, mm, will the voice recognition really work? My three-year-old has heard me, my husband and my five-year-old constantly talking to Google and he constantly goes up and says, hey Google, and Google doesn't ever answer him because his voice isn't yet heard. Maybe you feel like that. And so what happens is, for so many of us, myself included, is we sideline prayer. We put it over there because just as we do with Siri, when Siri is silent and doesn't answer as we wanted to, we feel frustrated, we feel disappointed, and so we stop using it. Because maybe we feel like, you know what, I can do life perfectly okay without it. Or maybe the disappointment of unanswered prayer or the disappointment that we feel with God because of unanswered prayer is just too much to bear. But just as with Siri, just maybe we have something at our fingertips that could absolutely revolutionise our lives and our worlds if we stepped into using it and using it properly. Conrad Hilton, the founder of the famous Hilton hotel chains, wrote this in his autobiography. In the circle of successful living, prayer is the hub that holds the whole wheel together. Now I know, as somebody who works for the church, I believe that wholeheartedly, that prayer is the hub that holds the whole wheel together. And yet if you dissected my life and you looked at how much time I spent praying, my life would not reflect the truth of that statement. Now I don't want to tie you all with the same brush as me, but I would hazard a guess that for most of us that's also the case. We believe in the power of prayer, 
And yet our lives, how often we pray, what we pray about doesn't show that that's true. But I think sometimes that's to do with the fact that actually, like Siri, we misunderstand what prayer is really all about. Albert Einstein famously said, if I had an hour to solve a problem and my life depended on the solution, I would spend the first 55 minutes determining the proper question to ask. Because once I know the proper question, I can solve the problem in less than five minutes. And I wonder if for most of us, actually we've been asking the wrong question of prayer. And actually whether or not we know what is really at the heart of prayer. Because if we know what's at the heart of prayer, then we will know what it is that we're missing out on. So, unsurprisingly, for a series that is all about James, James has some ideas as to what's really at the heart of prayer. You see, he's written this letter, and he's writing this letter to a group of people who are really not in a good place. They're going through some really tough times. You see, they've seen one of their own members, not Jesus, but a guy called Stephen. They've seen him die a very horrific death. And in fear, they've like flown where they've lived. They're now living in lots of different countries. They're disparate, um, and they are lonely. They're not known there, and they're being oppressed. And so James writes this letter to them because he wants to encourage them and he wants to give them wisdom and insight about how they can live life and live life well in that circumstance. And so right at the end of this letter, in chapter 5, he writes this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Praise and songs are basically just prayers set to music. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then let him gather together the elders of the church and let them pray for that person. Suffering, cheerful, sick. Pray, pray, pray. Why? Because the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. You see, what James is telling us here is that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what circumstance you're facing, that actually you should pray about it. Why? Because James knew that prayer is the only thing available to us that will save us, that will make a difference to us. See, prayer saves us because it saves us from our brokenness, our pain, our circumstances, from our very selves. It saves us from the things that have happened to us and the things that we are currently facing. The problem, I think, with this passage is so often we read it and we limit it to this idea of physical healing. But actually, when you look at the passage, when you look at the word and the way that it's written in Greek, the word that's used, save, which is so often translated as to heal or to restore, is actually this word. It's so say. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. And it's a word that is found only six other times in the Bible. And each time that it is found in the Bible, it's referring to Jesus' ability to save his people, to rescue them. And it's not limiting it to physical healing and sickness, though of course we know that Jesus can do that because he did that when he was here on earth. But this word implies something much, much greater and much deeper than that. See, this word is used when it's referring to how Jesus has saved us from death how Jesus has saved us from the consequences of our mistakes, 
our failures, our sinfulness. This is the word that describes how Jesus has rescued us and how he's enabled us to have a relationship with God where no matter who we are, no matter what we have done in this life, we can come freely and boldly to God with no fear because of everything that Jesus has done and made possible. You see, the prayer of faith will save us. It saves us like that because it connects us with Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he offers us fully in our lives. Forgiveness, love, grace, acceptance, power beyond our wildest dreams, strength, kindness, compassion. And most of all, it offers us a new identity, a fresh start. You see, Jesus has saved us and he's made it possible for us to not only have um, a relationship with God, but a relationship which is like one between a father and a child. See, the Bible tells us that if we believe in Jesus, if he saves us like that, then we are called children of God, where we can come to God in our prayers and we call out to him, Father. Jesus himself, when the disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray, Lord, he said, start by saying, Abba, Father. Which to us is a really weird phrase because, you know, we're adults and we don't like to use the phrase daddy, but that's what Jesus is correlating it to. That we would come and say, Daddy, here I am, let's chat. And yet I think that so many of us, we feel the frustration with prayer because we've limited prayer to being just like Siri. It's a means to an end. It's an opportunity for us to make requests and ask questions and to get answers. And we don't mean to, but somehow we've limited prayer to this list of things that we come and sit and talk to God about. The list of situations that we want him to change. And yeah, that's good. It's good to pray for things. But actually, if we always keep it like that, when we then don't get the answers that we expect, when things seem to be silent, when God doesn't seem to be acting or moving in the ways that we would like him to, then it causes us to question Is there anyone really listening up there? Is this thing really working? Am I doing it in the right way? Does God even care? And we stop asking, we stop praying, we stop talking and we pull away. Because we've forgotten that God is about talking to our Heavenly Father. It's about going and saying, hey dad, let's have a conversation. The prayer isn't about what we get out of it, but it is entirely about who we connect with through it our heavenly father. See, Jesus died and rose again so that we could know him, so that we can have a relationship with him, so we can openly talk to him about every part of our day, so we can really know who he is, but also who we are with him. I don't know what you're facing in life right now. I don't know if you're in the high of life or in the low of life or somewhere in between. But I know that when I sit and I think about talking to God, when I connect with this idea of who he is and what he has done, how he has saved me, but also what he says about who I am, the plan that he has for this world and the part that he asked me to play within it, that blows my mind that I can have that kind of conversation, that I can have that kind of perspective about my life and the things that are going on in it. 
You see, it's when we pray and when we connect with him that we're reminded of those things, we're reminded of who he is, what he says about us, and that we're reminded about the ways that he works because he is working in your life and in the lives of those people around you. This isn't some kind of slot machine kind of relationship about coming and asking for him to act here and there and only asking him about those things. This is about connecting to God Almighty, the God who can move mountains, literally, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, and the God who says, you're his child. He sees all of who you are and he still loves you. He sees everything that you have done and he still has a plan and a purpose for you. See, prayer is about connecting with him and asking him, giving him permission to speak into your life, to lead you, to guide you, to change you, to mould you, to grow you. Bethel Church um, is a very famous church in America, does lots of worship music and stuff like this. And they frequently say or write about or sing about the idea that prayer invites his existence into ours. Prayer invites his existence into ours. When you think about who God is and you think about your day today, your day yesterday, your life at the moment, isn't that what each of us would love right now, that his existence would come into ours? that God could come and move and be with us, whether we're in a joyful place or a painful place, a hard place, overwhelming, stressed, all of these moments in our life. Don't we want, don't we need our creator God, the God of all power and authority and wisdom and gentleness and kindness? Don't we want him to walk through those moments with us, reminding us of who he is, what he's capable of doing and who we are in and through him. Yes, he can come and change our circumstances, but I think more than that, he comes and changes who we are and he fights for us when we're unable to fight for ourselves. Isn't that what each of us needs in our lives today? And that's what James is saying is on offer. He's reminding us that whatever we face in life, prayer is the bedrock to stand on because the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins he'll be forgiven now the hard thing is and I mean this when I say it hard I don't mean this and say it glibly at all the hard thing is James is writing this with an eternal perspective because the prayer of faith that saves us the prayer of faith that raises us up which is this image of us being resurrected like Jesus was resurrected The idea of us being forgiven, that's for now. But actually, we might not see it all in its fullness now. See, we can know fullness of life because we can have almost fullness of relationship with God through prayer, through Jesus. But we know that this world isn't perfect. James knew that. He knew that he was writing to a group of people who knew that. Jesus knew that. And actually, we know that too, don't we? We know that this world is messed up and broken and wanting in so many different ways. What James is telling us is, Jesus has made a way for all of these things to one day be made new. For one day for us to be healed forever. For one day for us to be able to say, there will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. One day we will get to see him face to face where we will get to know love in its fullness, in its utter fullness, where we will get to spend eternity with him. 
But the problem is we live in the now and the not yet. You see, yes, Jesus has saved us from the grip of death. He's made a way for us to have this relationship with God now and to be healed. When Jesus died, he cried out, it is finished. And he was right. Everything that he did then and everything that happened when he rose again, it completed it. But it isn't in its full completeness because we're still in this broken world. And yes, there'll be a day where we'll be able to experience those things, but it won't happen until he comes again and until we're in heaven for all eternity with him. Which means, and this is really hard to take, isn't it? That sometimes some people will experience God doing amazing things physically, emotionally and spiritually in their lives. They will see healing happen. And those of us here, we've known that and experienced that. But we've also known that there are times in our lives where actually we don't experience that. And the best that we can do, the most powerful thing we can do, is to cling on to him in the midst of our darkest moments. Because there's one thing that James knew when he wrote that, when he told us that we can pray when we're suffering, when we're cheerful, when we're sick. He knew that it's because we can meet with God no matter what our circumstances is. That God promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It says it in Hebrews 13. But also that the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So what James is saying is, when you are in the high parts of life, come and talk to God, celebrate that with him, share that point with him. But also bring your pain, bring your heartfelt cries, your disappointment to God, because where else can you go with it? Philip Yancey, a famous American author, um, has written a book called Disappointed with God. And in it he says this, there's only one thing worse than disappointment with God. It's disappointment without God. And I think that's at the heart of what James is saying here in this passage. You see, life without a connected relationship with God, it's empty. It's so unbelievably lacking. We can fill it with stuff. We can try to enjoy it. And we do. There's lots of people who live really good lives. But there is something lacking to it. And the broken situations that we can find ourselves in, they hurt even more without God. Yes, we might feel infuriated, hurt, in pain when we feel like God's silent, like he's not moving, like we can't feel him physically present. But James reminds us that he's never left us, that as we pray to him, as we connect with him in those times, if we can trust him, then actually we can draw close. Because if we can trust that the God who brought good out of the death of his own son... If the God who can restore us and heal us through the most horrific of things, the most horrific of deaths, then we can trust that actually he can bring something good out of the painful circumstances that we find ourselves in. Romans 8, 28, another part of the Bible says this, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's not to say that God orchestrates the bad things that we experience and go through in life, but it means that when we're clinging to him, we can see him, we can see a perspective that allows us to see that sometimes he brings a goodness out of it. And what helps us do that? What helps us to trust him that he's going to do that? Prayer. Because prayer invites Jesus' existence into ours. And we're reminded of who he is 
and who we are as children of God, we're reminded of how loved we are. And when we remember that, then no matter what giants we face, we can either stand strong knowing the strength of God with us, or we can cling so tightly on with all our might through prayer, through heartfelt, honest, gut-wrenching prayer. You see, if the greatest person who ever lived, Jesus, God in human form, our example of what it looks like to live as a human being in this world, if he built his life on the bedrock of prayer, if everything he did came out of those solitary moments that he spent with God, then we need to do the same. It's not too big for us to do. So actually, I think we're faced with a question and a choice here today. What type of relationship do we really want with God? Do we want the type of relationship that's just like Siri? It's kind of surface level. It's list or issues orientated where actually all we're really doing is asking for stuff and we're not really connecting with the power or the person behind the requests that we make of it. Or do we open ourselves up by being real, by inviting God into every aspect of our lives, good, bad, ugly, the things that we're ashamed of, and connect with who he is and what he says about us. And in so doing, opening ourselves up to be changed, to have our perspectives changed, and to have our faith built as we grow closer to him and as we see the ways that he works in our lives. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know which one I want to choose. I think I want the second one. Or maybe you're sitting there going, I want the second one. I need the second one. Then I have two things that I want to recommend to you today. The first one is this book. It's a book called How to Pray by Pete Gregg. Now, I'm not a big reader, and so I always look for books that are easy to read, and I can recommend that this one is. This is an easy read, but what's more also, it is a great way of understanding what prayer is really about. But also, he gives you a structure to prayer that's really easy to remember and really easy to follow. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't really know how to have prayer, I don't really know how to move away from this list-orientated prayer, then have a look at this book. Even if you just skim-read it, it's got some brilliant things in it. The second recommendation I want to make actually comes from a bit of this book um, and from experience. And the recommendation I want you to make is to find a sacred space and time in your day where you can connect with God. Sacred just basically means set apart for or carved out for God. So I want you to see if you can find a space each day to be able to speak with him. In Pete Gregg's book, he tells this story. An advertising executive became a Christian but said that he was too busy to carve out a daily time of prayer. It's easy for you, he told his new pastor. You have all the time in the world, but I can't fit anything else into my life. But the pastor pushed back with a gentle challenge. You know, he said, I've always managed to make time for the things that I really value. That new believer went away and bought himself a really nice rocking chair, set it down in front of a window in his house, and began to get up just 20 minutes earlier each day to sit in it and to read the Bible and to pray. As he maintained this simple daily rhythm, his wife and colleagues began to notice that he was becoming less scattered, more peaceful and kind. That rocking chair was becoming his thin place, a place where he and God could connect. 
Months turned into years and a daily discipline became a holy habit. And then one morning as he sat there rocking, the Lord invited him to quit his job, sell the family home and relocate from Chicago to Colorado where a church needed his help. It was a life-changing moment that launched his entire family into a new and a remarkably fruitful season of life. Several years later, that successful executive was diagnosed with a particularly aggressive form of incurable cancer. But he continued to keep his appointments with God each morning in that chair. And during his last remaining days, he found the strength there in prayer for the hardest transition of them all. The day of the funeral dawned and a friend found his grieving wife gazing at the rocking chair. What are you going to do with it now, he inquired. Oh, we're going to pass it down to our children and grandchildren, she replied without hesitation. I love to think of them sitting in it the way that my husband did, unburdening their hearts, listening to the Lord and letting him shape and direct their lives. So where is your chair? Where is it that you're going to carve out time to meet with God on a regular basis? so that whatever you're facing in life, you can face it with the right perspective. The perspective that tells you that God is bigger than the giants that you face. That God is bigger than the shame that you feel about things in your life. That God tells you that you are loved more than you can ever imagine. Where God and the perspective tells you that you are safe because Jesus died And no matter what you've done, Jesus has made a place for you in heaven for all eternity because of his death and resurrection. You are a child of God. You are saved, you are loved, and you are forgiven. And from that place, and only that place where you truly understand who God is, what he has done for you, how immensely loved you are, and what your new identity is in him, only from that place can you then step into your day and do the things that are on your job list to do, to talk to the people and interact with the people that are around you. Because prayer is the bedrock upon which we should build our lives. It is the powerhouse for our lives, irrespective of what you are facing, irrespective of whether or not you feel like God is silent and is unanswering. He is there with you. And it is something that we should do to keep us connected with Him. Let's not run from God or limit our time with Him to being just like Siri, to being endless requests of things we just want Him to act in. Let us connect with Him on a personal level as our Father, as our Daddy, as our Dad, that we would call out to Him, that we speak to Him, we bring the joyful parts of our lives and the painful parts of our lives because He's bigger than Siri and prayer is bigger than just coming with questions. Now, if your prayer life is much more like Siri than it is that two-way relationship with God, that's not because that's what God wants for you. I don't know what you've been taught, told, or seen about prayer. I don't know what maybe has made you feel like that intimacy isn't available to you, but it is available. That's what Jesus came to give us. So if you don't want Siri and you want God, then you need to go on this journey, this journey where actually you unlearn some lessons and you find a new story. So read the book, find your chair, carve out space in your day where you can connect with your heavenly Father and ask Him to speak to you in that intimate way. Step into this relationship. 
Brittany Chan, the daughter of Francis Chan, another American author, has written this. She says, God, let your voice become the loudest one I hear and the one that I am most sensitive to. So I want to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray before the band leads us in a song just to close. Because I don't know about you, but this is not how I live my prayer life. But I think if I did, it would radically change my days. It would change how I parent. It would change how I'm a wife. It would change how I work. It would change just who I am. And so I want that for us as a church here today. So Lord, I just want to pray for us here that Lord, we would really grasp what it is that you came to give us, that this isn't some relationship where we just come with questions and things that we want you to work on. God, I thank you so much that we can do that, that we can invite you to speak into our lives and to act in those places. But God, I thank you that actually it's more than just this ask and receive. It's a relationship with you, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So Lord, for me and for each of us in this room, would you help us to know that? Would you help us to be reminded of that when we walk through those doors and the ordinariness of life and the dampness of today hits? Would you remind us that you want us to talk to you in the minutiae of the day? You want us to carve out time and you want us to speak to you, to bring ourselves to you. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, that you would speak to us in powerful, intimate, life-changing ways, that you would change who we are as we connect with you. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.